what uh, fitting illustration to begin this message with Raven Fisher. Someone who God calls to do something greater than what she really can do within herself. Because for all of us, uh, we have those times in our life uh, which is replete with uncertainties. It is full of uncertainties. Uh, and what we need, we need to have a strong anchor in something greater than us that knows better than us. And it is that with, uh, with Raven that we saw not necessarily having uh, everything together. But one thing that we know that if, if God has it together and he calls us, then we can be assured that we have it together. Amen? Well, we're going to continue in this series called Overcoming Insecurity. Today's title, When the Task is Greater Than Our Own Ability or Strength. I want to begin, I want you to turn with me to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. And I know again that you know this, but, but here is this big theme under this point, that is, uh, the Lord knows more than us. God knows more than what we know. <laughs> and I know you're saying, I know that. Yeah, I know that, right? I like those teenagers that uh, when they reach right, junior high school, right, and you try to tell them something, and they'll say, Mom and Dad, I know. Uh, I know, I know, I know. Right? But I want you to know again that the Lord knows more than what you and I know put together times one million. Ezekiel 37, beginning in verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. Is it possible... For a seemingly impossible situation to change. Is it possible for a seemingly impossible circumstance to change? The Lord allowed Ezekiel to see a scene that was disturbing. And really not for the faint of heart. Can you imagine yourself walking around a place where there are nothing but dead men's bones all over the place. 
It was a valley full of dry bones or the remains of many people. In fact, I want you to know that when we look at this, uh, that it looks like it was a catastrophic event. Uh, but there were bones of many soldiers there. It's clear that these bones, or that uh, some type of uh, disaster, uh, disturbance had occurred. But I also want you to understand that in ancient wars, that typically it was the practice of the winning army that if you beat your opponent, that one of the things that you would do, that you would just let your opponents lie on the ground. That you wouldn't go back out of respect, that even though uh, that they weren't right and we had to take care of them and destroy them, we're going to go ahead and dig a bunch of holes and we're going to put our enemies in those holes and put some dirt on and go on about our way. In ancient times, in order to bring more humiliation on you, your enemy would just let you lie there and rot. So what we see here in this valley of, of bones was not only death, but it was the humiliation in death. Not just death, but the humiliation in death. Again, Scripture tells us that not only were there many bones, but uh, we read at the end of verse 2 that those bones were what? Very dry. They had been exposed to the elements for a long time. And we know that the longer something has been exposed to the heat, the drier it becomes. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you go ahead and put that brand new cotton shirt or blouse or pants, you go ahead and wash it in hot water and then put it in the hot dryer uh, for about six hours and see what happens to it after that. It will shrivel up. Some of us in here today have been exposed to the extreme heat of life. And your bones inside of you, your spirit, your very soul has gotten very, very dry. You know your bones have gotten dry when things don't feel as exciting as they used to feel. <laughs> you know your bones have gotten very dry when you just don't care the way you cared a few years ago. You know your bones have gotten dry when all uh, that you have always wanted in life, it has not been accomplished and you just don't understand. Uh, why am I here, God? Your bones become drier because you have become bitter. Very dry bones say, what's the use? Very dry bones say, Nothing is going to change. There is no way out. Everywhere I turn to the north, to the south, uh, to the east, uh, uh, to the west, everywhere I turn, there's nothing but heat. <laughs> I wonder what Ezekiel would think of us if he looked into the valley of our souls in this place today. Would it be a land flowing with milk and honey? Or would it be a wilderness? Would it be a valley of very dry bones? You know what I'm talking about because you have tried thinking your way through. 
You've tried finding all the smartest people that you can find to get you out of the mess that you're in. And you don't understand why God, I have been faithful to you. And it's like God is not answering. So we shrivel some more. And then you go to church and you say, you know what, I just wasn't feeling that today. Our bones shrivel again. And then we walk again through life. We don't have a good time at work on Monday. We shrivel again. <laughs> we tried screaming our way out, thinking that, uh, that the squeaky wheel uh, gets the, all of the attention. So if I scream my way out, my situation is going to change. <laughs> Lord knows that it doesn't. Yeah, it may sue the problem for a second, but you know, once you start the screaming, you have nowhere else to go. You are there. That's it. There have been some things that try to get us out of this valley of dryness, out of, of these dry bones that we have. Some have tried alcohol drinking themselves uh, to wetness, spiritual wetness. Some have tried drugs. Uh, some go to men. Some go to women. Some like to eat. Some uh, like their life on Facebook. Some, uh, well, they may say that, you know, of all those things, I'm stronger than that. But yet, you see, they just can't seem to stop working. Even when it's time just to relax, they're still working. All of these things, uh, they become our medication to medicate us. And ultimately to mask the reality that's going on around us. That's all that they do. Some of you may even medicate yourself with your husband or your wife. Or your kids. I heard someone say that, you know... Uh, all of your attention goes to your kids. Wrong. All of your attention goes to God. And then when all of your attention goes to God, next, if you're married and if you have kids, uh, all of your attention then goes to that spouse. Because one day, uh, one of those kids may do something or say something you ain't going to like. And if you ain't got that spouse there to support you, what you going to have? You're going to try to placate that child. So many people distract themselves from the dryness, but later they're gripped uh, with a great sense of loneliness or despair. So as Ezekiel walked around the valley of dry bones, uh, the Lord began to converse with him, uh, to ask him a very important question with a seemingly impossible answer. Is the situation too great to be changed, verse 3, here in Ezekiel 37, verse 3. And he that is the Lord said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? <laughs> Ezekiel, you saw all these thousands and thousands of bones out here. And God is asking a question, can these bones live? 
when faced with an impossible incident or a never-changing event, the Lord wants to ask us the question whether or not our situation can change. How long has it been out there in that heat? Can your situation change? I have reached a point in my life that it is important not always to give it an answer that is too quick. Right? Else I may seem aloof and uncaring. But also quick answers provide an opportunity to be hasty. And we may not give full weight to one of the most challenging issues that we are faced before us. On the other hand, there's the person that says that we're just going to wait it out. Oh, I'm just going to wait, and I'm going to wait, and you wait so long till the blessings of God have passed you by. That all the opportunities that God has put in your, uh, right in your lap uh, that you have ignored it because you just want God to drop a blessing out of heaven. Uh, you need money, so you're waiting on God to drop the money out of heaven into your lap. Can these dry bones live? What is the greatest obstacle you are facing today? I know that many of you love to hear God's word, but I need for you to think about this for a moment now. What is that one issue that is the valley of dry bones in your life today? And God is asking you, can those dry bones live? I want you to dig deep. Don't, don't push me off today. Uh, don't, don't forget about what I'm saying today. Don't ignore me today. I want to ask you the question, can those dry bones live? You have seen the stubbornness. and You have wondered if things will ever change. Everybody seems to have an opinion about something, but no one has a solution. Can those bones live or can that great task which is beyond your strength or abilities be taken care of? The answer to that question is found in the personage of God. There, Ezekiel answers the Lord, and I answered there in 37.3, O Lord God, you know. Man, I was smart. Oh, God, well, uh, look here, uh, you know. So Ezekiel, instead of answering outright, humbles himself and defers to answer back to God. That's smart. <laughs> in other words, Lord, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, there are some things in life that we don't know. I don't care how much you love the Lord, there are some things that you just don't know in life. He therefore looks at the attributes of God and quickly understands that God knows everything or that he is omniscient. Who would ever have thought that when uh, you get ground up and stuck and deep down inside of a very uh, disturbing emotional issue that one of the things that will get you out is by knowing of the attributes of God. Uh, but you're saying, what are you talking about? See, if you don't know who God is, then you don't know if he can get you out of that tight spot to begin with. If you don't know who God is, then you don't even know if God can get you out of the mess that you found yourself in. If you don't know who God is, then you have nothing to fall back on other than fairy tales and fables. 
If you don't know who God is, then you risk saying something that carries absolutely no weight in eternity. So looking to your text, Ezekiel 37.3, you will notice that the word God has all capital letters. You see that? Normally, uh, we understand that when we're looking at the text of our Bible, and we see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that that stands for Yahweh. Right? And that is God's name, Yahweh. But here we have capital O, capital G, capital O, capital D. But guess what? Now in our passage we see uh, these capitalized letters of God that this is also the name of God of Yahweh. This is the same thing. <laughs> oh boy. So this compound name of God in this verse here it is. You may want to write this down. And when Ezekiel says, and I answered, O Lord God, the passage says, and I answered, O Lord, Lord, <laughs> uh, to, the eliminate, to eliminate the, the confusion, it's, they say, Lord God. The end of the matter is that Ezekiel heard the Lord and then responded to him accordingly with respect and according to his covenantal name of Yahweh. With that understanding, Ezekiel deferred his answer to the all-omniscient, the covenant-keeping and omnipotent God, Lord, Lord. So then, if you know the Lord, then you know that Lord, Lord also has the answers to whatever is the most pressing or difficult thing that you are facing today. The burden of just stating those bones can live was too presumptuous for Ezekiel. It's too presumptuous for him within his own ability, within his own strength, and with his own knowledge. <laughs> Having to say something is true or will happen is one thing, but actually believing and working through it is another. If the Lord tells you to do something, how courageous are you to actually do it? I mean, uh, do you need the fleece theology? Say, oh Lord God, I think I heard you, but I'm going to take my rag here and I'm going to lay it here. And then when I wake up in the morning, it's going to be dry and everything else around is going to have dew on it. Oh Lord God, okay, that was true, but this time I want it to be wet and everything else around here. Oh, ooh, God. We want to test God. Sometimes God will respect that. We saw it in Scripture. Other times he will not respect that. Fleece theology means before you do anything for the Lord, he must prove his intentions by opening up a few parking spaces for you. Or when you walk into the store giving you some huge discount. Or having someone confirm all that the Lord has been speaking to your life. Uh, yes, honey, I want you to know this is what the Lord is saying. Moses was also in that place. Well, well not of fleece theology, so to speak, at this point but of uncertainty in accomplishing a task greater than himself. The Lord told Moses to deliver God's people out of the hands of Pharaoh 
all by himself. Look at this, Ezekiel 33.12. Exodus 33.12. Exodus 33.12. Here it is. I know you're doing that, and you're writing stuff down, but here it is, uh, that you need to tackle a task bigger than yourself. Go ahead, tackle that task larger, greater than yourself. Exodus 33.12. Moses said to the Lord, there it is, all caps, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. You see, God's grace and his favor are vital in undertaking the difficult and the impossible things in our life. Uh, One thing about uh, uh, things that are larger and tougher than yourself is that it can produce a great amount of insecurity in your heart. How many times have you gotten an assignment on your job that you know it was so much that you almost want to quit? Have you ever been there before? You just got so sick and tired of this mountainous uh, uh, region of work set before you that you just want to stop. Better yet, here it is, parents. I know been there, done that. Your kids get on your nerves so much that sometimes you just wish you just didn't have kids. Well, you don't tell them because I love you, honey, right? I love you. Uh, but you know that sometimes those kids can get on your nerve to the point that you just wish I just didn't have them because it's like, you know, I, I wish I could just go on vacation and not come back. <laughs> All right, Mother Crockett. I, Moses looked at the job in front of him and realized that it is all good, but what army are you going to send with me in order for me to tap? It's okay, I'm going to, I'll do it, but whose army is going with me, right? Moses was not trying to, to, not interested in playing this super spiritual person because he knew he had to lead these people away from this mountain into the, the wilderness and that would not be an easy task. You see, Moses, he wasn't a chump, right? He knew about these folks, right? Because he had lived among them in Egypt. So he wasn't, he like, he's probably saying to himself, we don't see this in scripture. Uh, he's like, yeah, Lord, but uh, you see some of the way these people act when they were in Egypt. And I know I was, I was completely against you and against all this other stuff. But I'm just saying, Lord, uh, these are some obstinate people. So he had experience on both sides of the fence. First, God had given him him the ability uh, to escape. As far as Israel is concerned, the clutches of the Egyptian army. So uh, he delivered them, right? They crossed the Red Sea. The Egyptians, they were professional soldiers with training and discipline to boot. Yet God in his wisdom confused uh, the plans of the enemy. 
But now that they had crossed the Red Sea and settled at Mount Sinai for a bit, it was time for them to press on, leave the mountain and head into a no man's land. You see, a lot of times where what we want to do is we want to go ahead and go to the mountain that God wants to have us at, but we don't want to hear anything else because we think this is the penultimate. We think that this is the place that we should be. But God calls us all the time. I know that you had a good time there, but right now I need for you to get off of that mountain and I need for you to press on. But a lot of us don't want to get off the mountain because we feel safe, we feel secure, and we think that God's blessings will eternity, eternally last here. But God is calling us to get off of the mountain and go ahead and walk in the wilderness. You don't want to go. Moses didn't want to go with all those hundreds of thousands of people. He was probably already tired of them. But one thing we understand is that he knew it would be difficult. You may not be heading into a no man's land today, but you may be facing one of the most difficult moments of all time. I can imagine Moses, because I've done it, going over in his head over and over again. God, is this you? Are you sure? Are you sure? Because you're telling us to go there, but it ain't nothing out there but heat, dryness, and desert. <laughs> See, because once we enter into the wilderness, there is no McDonald's. There are no Wendy's. There is no Quickie Mart. Right? In the wilderness, there is no stopping by your Uncle Bob or your Auntie Suzanne or whoever they may be. Or maybe today I say your Uncle, uh, your, your uncle Maab and your, your Auntie Shalanda, right? Uh, you can't stop by uh, their house. There's nobody out there. You're not going to be able to make a phone call. You can't call a cab. Nobody's going to get you out. So when you get out in the wilderness, you better know who God is. This wilderness, it was a desert. Nobody was there because it was desolate. This was a place no one wanted to be in, as we have, we'll discover later. And we heard later that the people of God, that they, God's people, they complained. God, it ain't no water. God, it ain't no, we ain't got no meat. God, we ain't got this. God, who is this Moses? God, you got you see, once you get out there, the tendency is going to be is to complain, but God says in his word, and everything give thanks before this is the will of God for you. And where in Christ Jesus. So when you're going through the wilderness, you just thank God. You thank God a bit because he's with you. Yeah, your situation may not change, but you thank God and you will find out that you will get the clarity and the strength to take another step. I love what Mother Crockett says. She always says, according to Philippians, I just press on. That's what we have to do. We must press on. For Moses, just the thought of going into this place produced vast amount of uncertainty and insecurity. But this is the place where God wanted Moses. And guess what? It may be a place that God wants you. Because you are so accustomed to doing things on your own. And then you're going to keep beating and keep scratching and finally realize that something needs to change about me. And what God is doing all along, he just wants to develop your own character. 
You see, we can't, we, we can't run away from suffering. If you are a Christian, you're going to suffer. Somehow, some way. The thing is, how are you going to work through it? And then once you suffer, what will it produce in your life? Will you be more humble or will you be more obstinate? Will you be more arrogant or will you be more loving? What will all the things that you go through produce in your life? Oh, God. You see, one thing is absolutely clear. God will either draw you near or drive you away. That's what I love about the Word of God. It will either drive you near or drive you away. <laughs> there is no middle ground. There is no straddling the fence with the Lord God. Scripture is full of men and women who have come to grips with this reality of faith. Faith is not stagnant. It does not stand still. If your faith, faith is standing still, that means you are not in a place of truly trusting the Lord. You're not trusting the Lord. You're just playing it safe. You are playing it safe and sooner or later you will have to deal with that thing. You're going to find out your situation as it begins to press and press in on you. We're going to see what kind of fruit you produce. And if it's a godly fruit, we know that you have hung on uh, to the feet of Jesus Christ. But if it is of negativity and anger and all this other stuff and regret, we know that God has not transformed your heart yet. Noah had the flood. Joshua had Jericho. David had Goliath. Paul had prison. Christians in foreign nations today have the threat of constant persecution. What do you have? What do you have? Be like Moses. Here it is. Vow to yourself never to advance unless the Lord is with you. Don't go forward unless the Lord is with you. Exodus 33, verse 14 through 16. God's response to Moses. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, so Moses, he wasn't, Moses wasn't done talking. It's like once you, it's like me, I'm almost like, once I hear the voice of God, I'm like, okay, and nothing else to say. But verse 15, and he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Huh. What does this say? He says, God, uh, Moses is telling the Lord that if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. I'm not interested. This reminds me of uh, uh, when I received my call to the ministry. I told God, I told him, I said, look, if you're not going to be with me, I don't want to go. I, I'm not interested because I'd rather be in New York somewhere. I don't, want to be, I don't want to be doing that. You called me. I didn't call you. It's, it's, it's tough. Moses had just finished wondering about who was going up to go with him as he journeyed through the wilderness towards that promised land. Sometimes uh, our nature to want someone to take our hand in journeying with us through a foreign experience. I, I'm sure when I think of Raven that she probably wanted someone that she knew to go with her. Can you imagine that? I, uh, sometimes I tell my wife that when we travel uh, 
for us. So you tell you what, you're going to go on this day, and then you just travel later, and then you'll meet me there. She's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. That's my wife, right? Oh, West Side, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, no, if we go, if I'm going, uh, you're going to have to be there with me. I'm like, I'm like, come on, you know. So who would go with Moses to help him down a 40-year road with people who would trouble him, resist him, fight him, and reject his leadership? God promised that he would be present with him as he walked through this difficult path. And he said, my presence will go with you. Notice the Lord uh, said not only that he would go with Moses, but he would also what? Give them rest. He'll give them rest. Right? So in other words, as you know in life, Trouble is going to happen because man is a few days, right? But we have many troubles in life. That's just the way it is. This is a sinful world. That's why we have trouble. It happens to the unbeliever and the believer alike. The plants and the animals and the weather, everything is affected by sin. That's why we all have trouble. That's why when people say that it looks like if you say you're worshiping Jesus, the same thing is happening to you. But you can tell them, but I have joy. I have joy in my heart because Jesus Christ is with me, that Jesus is in me, and the things that you go through, I have peace. No, not the peace of some mantra in which I'm trying to pull up uh, because I read somewhere that if you say this thing, you'll feel good after a period of time. No, 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 not that kind of peace. I'm talking about that peace that can only happen through the blood of the Lamb. That's the only peace that we could have. But did you know that originally the Lord stated that he wasn't going to go with him? Did you know that? Exodus 33, verse 3. <laughs> God told them that, look, you know, I'm not going with you fools because you, you don't understand who I am. See, going back to the character and attributes of God. God is saying, you don't know who I am. You don't know who's your daddy. You don't know who I am. Look, hear about me from the beginning of time before the beginning of time I existed and you want me to go with you? You see, if I go with you because I am holy, if I go with you because I am just, if I go with you because I am pure, do you not understand that I can destroy you. So again, it is fine to desire the Lord to go with you, but we must know about his character. Someone would say, Jehovah Sittikanu, which means the Lord is righteousness. The protection that the disciples of Jesus Christ have is that when we somehow forget about God's character, that it is the blood of Jesus that covers you. Did you know that? When you begin uh, somehow in your ignorance, in our ignorance to live this life, and we ask God to go with, do you understand that the reason that God does not strike you down is because of the blood of Jesus on you? Do you not understand this? Moses then admits, and I'm almost done, he was not willing to move forward unless the Lord went with him. If your president would not go with me, 
don't bring us up from here. This is not one of those times in which we tell a friend when we get mad at them, look, if you don't want to help me, then I'm just going to do it by myself. No, it's not, that ain't that, no, uh uh-uh. That's just crazy. That would have been really dangerous for Moses if he took that approach. You see, the Lord wanted Moses to want him. That's what it's about. God wants you and me to want him. The Lord wanted Israel to want him. In one sense, it becomes a test as to whether or not uh, they want him more than they want the blessings of the promised land. (laughs) What was true of Moses and Israel should also be true of us. We should not consider or plan anything without including the Lord in our picture. Proverbs 19.21. Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man or woman or child, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Go ahead, think all the high stuff that you want to think about, but the Lord, only his word is going to stand. The funny thing about people is the tendency to always think we are right, or we know better. This is dangerous, (laughs) because when you think that you know better, then obviously then you think you know better than God. When we do that, we create an environment of insecurity because when you get to that, out there all alone, you understand that you won't have the Lord to lean upon. The idea, however, is to look at the monumental task in front of you. Look at it. What is it? Look at it. And know that it can be overcome only if the Lord goes with you. It's okay to tell the Lord that if he doesn't go with you, you don't want to go. That's okay. I know you must deal with the difficult stuff but it can't be ignored. But as long as you have the Lord, understand that you can make it through your tough times, your insecurity. Moses met with the Lord face to face, and he still had a tough time with the people. That really ministered to me. It really did. I just never thought, I just, you know, yeah, it's there, I see it, I understand it, but it's, you know, it's like God came down in the midst of uh, of, of the people of Israel, the cloud, it came down, and those very same people still gave Moses attitude. They saw, remember, because when that cloud, when, when Moses would go to meet with God face to face in the tabernacle, everybody would go out to the doors of their tents and they would look. They knew that they could die if they themselves went there, so all they could do is look at a distance. So even in the midst of that, they still had contempt on Moses and the Lord. I encourage you to trust Jesus and know that he will not leave you. He will not leave your side. He will not forsake you. He's not going to leave you alone. Move ahead, but move ahead with the Lord. So when the task is greater than your ability or strength, lean more on the Lord. David says, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Take that task. Yes, those bones can live, but only if the Lord goes with you. Let's pray.